Hi, everyone. It's Gina. And Melissa. Welcome to Let's Be Great One Five, a YMCA podcast dedicated to all things healthy living. Today's episode is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm excited. We're going to be talking to Eric Wilson about his 1,000-day workout streak. 1,000 days. That's crazy. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> if some of you feel like you've heard of fami this familiar name, you absolutely have. This is Eric Wilson from WTVO and Fox 39. Eric has been a Rockford news anchor for over 20 years, and many of us have seen him on WTVO where he's been for the past five years, as well as an anchor um, at another local station here in town. So uh, Eric has been a Y member for many, many years. Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, you're, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You have, you know, a really interesting story to share, and I'm really excited to talk about that. But when we were sort of getting to know each other, your background is also really unique and, and diverse. So maybe you can give us a little bit of that backstory by starting and telling us about how you got into broadcasting in the first place. Oh, sure. Um, so I got into broadcasting by trying to become an airline pilot, if that makes, <laughs> that makes total sense. Um, yeah. So I, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and as long as I can remember, probably going back to, you know, when kids start thinking about what they want to do other than, you know, I want to be a policeman or fireman because everybody right. thinks goes through that stage, <laughs> but probably early junior high, um, I knew I wanted to be a pilot and that was the thing. Um, I, so my grandfather was in world war two and he had a buddy who owned an airport in the South suburbs, just small little um, airport with a couple of short runways, but um, which is now a big, like, development with box stores and I think there's a Portillo's on the corner where it oh, used to wow. be but I still remember having my first airplane ride there and so that mm -hmm. kind of that kind of stuck with me as a kid and you know I had rides here and there um, but you know I think it really when I started flying I took my first commercial flight when I was probably in third or fourth grade and I was terrified and then afterwards I thought oh my this is super cool and then a couple of years later when I started thinking career-wise um, that's what I wanted to do is be a pilot. And, you know, I knew it was expensive to learn how to fly. I, I really had no idea. I, I think my young brain didn't get the big picture of it, but yeah. so I decided, you know, I, I grew up in a single parent house and we didn't have a lot of money. So I figured, well, let, I'll let the government pay for it. So mm -hmm. I would go into the military and do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I also wanted a college education. So I looked into going to the Naval Academy and the Air Force Academy. Um, I applied. So to get into those academies, and you may be familiar with it, but you, you can't just, you don't just apply. You have to be actually nominated by somebody. And usually it's yeah. a congressman. Usually that's where the nomination mm -hmm. comes from. So um, the Naval, I didn't have perfect vision. I, so the Naval Academy wouldn't let me in without perfect vision at the time. I, didn't, I imagine their, their standards have changed a little bit. Um, yeah. And Air Force Academy would let me in with a vision waiver but I couldn't fly. Um, and at the, and I know those, those rules have changed because um, there's a, a local guy who went to Christian life high school, who was an air force Thunderbird. And he did not have perfect vision until he got eye surgery. He got PRK eye surgery and that qualified him. But at the time that wasn't an option for me. And in fact, the, the eye surgery that was available at the time was disqualifying. So if I had even had that eye surgery, I couldn't have got into the Air Force Academy with the waiver at all. So I got a nomination from my congressman to go to the Air Force Academy. And then the more I thought about it, I didn't want to be in the Air Force and not be a pilot. It just, it didn't sit well with me. So then I decided I, if I still wanted to be a pilot, I was going to have to pay for it myself. So I researched 
schools all over the country, um, from Arizona to Florida. U of I at the time had a flight school. Um, and the school that I ended up going to was kind of a random, I had already committed actually to Southern Illinois University and they have, they have a great aviation program down there. And I committed to them and I got a random letter from Lewis University, which is in the Chicago suburbs, mm-hmm. and, which is only on a no traffic day was probably 20 to 25 minutes in the car from where I grew up. Wow. And so they said, based on um, my grades and based on my ACT scores, they were going to give me a ton of money to go there, private school, mm-hmm. but you know, they gave me a ton of money. So I ended up going and, um, uh, but I ended up getting to the point where it, I mean, like I said, I knew it was going to be expensive, but I don't think I really grasped how expensive until I started writing the checks. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to the point where I felt like I had to make a, a decision. You know, do I want to take out all this money and loans or do I want to look at something else? And mm-hmm. um, I eventually changed my major. major and um, so that's sort of how I got into the career. That's awesome. That's, I mean, what a great start and just experience for you, you know, and um, just to be able to know. I guess, just the whole history and the background of things and how many of us can relate to that story where you started down one path and, and yeah. you know, so yeah, well, for sure. been in TV for a long time. Tell us how that all started. What was your, you know, first exposure? How'd you get on that track? So, um, believe it or, well, I, mean, I guess as a kid, you know, I visited television stations in Chicago and, um, Actually, my baby brother at the time, my first real exposure, I think, to behind the scenes, my baby brother at the time was on, uh, there was a famous baby doctor in the 70s when I was growing up, and um, his, his name was uh, Dr. Lendon Smith, and my mom had become friends with him. Uh, hey, Feed Your Kids Right was his book, his biggest book, I think, and uh, my mom had become friends with him because he was a guest speaker at a fundraiser in our town. And so he was on uh, one of the morning television shows in Chicago. So we went and as he was on, it was about feeding your kids. So my baby brother was one of the little kids who was in the high chair there. And so, yeah, it was a really, really cool experience. Um, And so as a, you know, at the time I was probably maybe six years old, five or six years old, but it stuck with me. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then my brother subsequently that a, a picture from that was actually on the back cover of the book. And I probably have it in the room where I'm at right now, but, um, so that was my first exposure as a little, little kid. But then Mm -hmm. between junior and senior year in high school, I was a contestant on the game show wheel of fortune. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I got to really see Hollywood behind the scenes stuff. And so Mm -hmm. it was a really cool experience. It was a teen week. And so the way they shoot the shows there, they shoot the whole week in a day. Mm -hmm. So we shot Mm -hmm. three shows, took a dinner or lunch break and then got two more shows. And so, and the way teen week used to work. And that was back when, um, when you were on the game, if you won, you didn't just get the money, you bought prizes. They had like that spinning carousel and um, Mm -hmm. I'm dating myself right now, but, um, (laughs) I haven't done that for a long time. And, uh, so I did. So what they, what happened was, um, it was kind of like when they do a, a Jeopardy tournament of champions where first four days, you know, people play the 12 people play. And then the top three people from those four days play on the final day. Mm-hmm. And so I, I won 
two puzzles in my game. I played the first game of the week, basically on Monday. Mm-hmm. And um, I won the first two puzzles. And then the person who won the third round had won with just a little bit more money than I did. It was one of those where time ran out, Pat Sajak spun the, spun the wheel and it was yep. a big dollar amount. And she, <laughs> she ended up with all this money. So she ended up going to the bonus round and I didn't. But I won so much money on that first game that up until the Thursday episode, I was still the number three money winner. So I was going to be in that Friday final. And then someone Mm. in that Thursday match beat me Mm. by like thousand dollars or something. And so I ended up, but so I did, I won, you know, some prizes. And then that was kind of like a really, really um, in-depth exposure to how things work behind the scene. It was just fascinating to me to watch all this work and and it was exciting anyway, you know, to be a 17, 16, 17 year old kid. I think I don't think I was 17. I think it was 16 um, in, in LA and, you know, seeing all this behind the scenes at a TV station on this nationally syndicated show. Um, mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I got exposed to it. And that, that just sort of planted the seed. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know um, after college or maybe during college, you had, you got to do some really cool, I mean, so Wheel of Fortune already, but then you got to do some really good, uh, unique internships that not everybody gets exposed to, right? Yeah. So part of the program was um, once I switched my major from aviation to radio TV broadcasting um, and part of actually being on Wheel of Fortune also connected me to the broadcasting program at Lewis because um, I had somebody who was like a, I I went to someone who went to my high school, but I was friends with this person's younger sister Mm -hmm. was producing a show at Lewis for the closed circuit television station there. It was, you know, like a David Letterman type show and they just needed guests. And so she knew I was on wheel of fortune. And so I was actually on this show at Lewis talking about wheel and got again, like not just, to experience it like I did on wheel, but also, you know, I, I got to like touch cameras and move things around and carry cables and help pack things up. And they're like, Oh, we never have guests help us with this stuff. What are you doing? <laughs> and so that was another thing that kind of steered me towards changing my major. Um, so I switched to radio and TV um, eventually did some theater stuff there. So I had a, there are a lot of overlap classes between theater and broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And one of my classes, the chair of the theater department taught it. And he actually recruited me out of one of these classes to be in one of the productions that he was doing, uh, that he was directing. And so he recruited me to be in this show. And I was in that show and then started just auditioning on a whim and got good parts in these plays that were going on at my school. And then he convinced me that I didn't need all that with a double major. But in the meantime, part of the program was we had to um, all do an internship. Like that's just part of the broadcasting program. And so, you know, I kind of, I thought big and I knew I had, I had some relatives who lived in LA and I knew that, or in Orange County, but I knew that I could stay with them or was pretty sure I could stay with them, uh, which would help with living expenses if I did an internship out there. So I applied to uh, internships in Chicago, but I also applied, um, in Los Angeles to a couple of different shows. That was actually, that was back when Arsenio Hall was big. So I applied to the Arsenio Hall show. Um, I applied to, there was one or two other shows and this kind of on a whim, I sent an audition tape to, and because this was pre-Zoom, this was pre-Skype. And I don't even think we had laptops 
laptops. <laughs> we were still using cans with like the string in between them to talk to each other. But um, so I sent a video interview to them and they're like, yeah, so our first, our first half of the summer is filled with interns, but um, we, if you could start in July, we'd love to have you. So this is, so entertainment tonight was kind of like a, and it was really my first exposure to news production because really that's what, and it's changed a little bit more, but it's, it's, you know, obviously it's flashier, but yeah, it started at, it really, when you boil it down, it's really a news program, but they just produce entertainment news. Mm. And so right. I ended up, I had to negotiate with some of my professors because I was there through September. So I missed the first month of my senior year in college, but because Lewis, was so small um, and I had relationships with most of the professors I knew them anyway yeah. I got my work in advance so I brought it with me so you know I I spent mm -hmm. three months commuting from which the commute was horrible um, I spent three months commuting from Orange County to Hollywood to it, it was on the Paramount lot so we got to uh, it was super cool to be a 20 I actually I turned 21 out there wow. but uh, to be a oh, 20 year old wow. college kid wandering around the Paramount lot. And that's what we did. Like when we were, um, when we were on lunch breaks, we would just kind of walk around. So sometimes we'd go to the commissary there and that was, they were also still shooting Star Trek, the next generation at the time. Oh. And so every once in a while you'd go into the commissary and there'd be a Klingon in there in full makeup or makeup <laughs> at least from the neck up, which was kind of bizarre, uh, but uh, cool experience too. We were, they were also filming the first Wayne's world at the time. And so I oh, still remember wow walking past because when you go inside the grounds at Paramount it's almost like a mini city and so mm -hmm. we were just walking down the street and here comes Mike Myers dressed as Wayne Campbell walking the other way in his you know black hat and black oh, t-shirt wow. and it was pretty surreal yeah, it was it was super cool but again yeah. 20 year old kid I got to um, experience that um, awesome. but we went out on shoots with our crews so I spent some time on the set of uh Perfect Strangers. That was kind of one that sticks out. Wow. Um, Bronson mm. Pinchot, who played Balky on that show, mm -hmm. uh, was yeah. super nice to me. Like, if I, you know, like you, t you hear celebrity stories, um, and I don't have a lot of them, but I have a few, and you know, they're clearly bad celebrity stories. But he was just so <laughs> extra nice, and actually, so was Bob Barker. I was there for the um, The Price Is Right's tenth anniversary show, so oh. we did a story about that, and so. You know, as an intern, I just, I went with our crew and I got to meet him and, and um, talk with him. And then, so I was there for, when our producer did the interview with him, but then I, he hung and talked with me and I got to share an elevator with him and he was super <laughs> nice. Um, wow. And then got to see the, the 10th anniversary show there. But so then that, that, you know, came in I, September, I came back to reality and finished my college um, career out and then graduated didn't have a job mm -hmm. and tried to kind of figure out what I really wanted to do. And I thought, well, I, my original plan was to go to LA and work somewhere behind the scenes. I was not interested in on-camera stuff at all. And my goal was to make connections while I was out there during the internship. But there were so many things about LA that I didn't like. Um, I didn't like, well, I've already mentioned the traffic. Anything you've heard about LA traffic, it's 10 times worse than what you've yeah. heard. It's really bad. And yeah. so, you know, my commute time in the morning, it was, the average was about an hour to an hour 10. I never made it home in less than an hour and a half. And a couple of times it took me almost three hours. Wow. Um, crazy. So that was one reason I didn't want to live out there. Um, the, the people kind of were sort of phony. Um, and, but 
you know, obviously we're doing this, this podcast with sort of a health focus. And another reason was air is better now. Since then, I've actually run two half marathons in LA, but um, the, the air quality was so bad that when, if I would go for just a short run, I could feel it in my lungs. Yeah. I didn't really like that. So decided that I didn't want to work there in LA. So I came back and had to rethink my plan mm -hmm. and decided I'd like to try doing something on air, but um, didn't really know what I wanted to do because of my aviation background, I was always interested in the weather. And so I kind of reached around to Chicago television stations and another example of kind of being in the right place at the right time, sort of like my, my getting my ET internship, I called WGN at the right time. And Tom Skilling, who some people argue is the best television weatherman in the country, uh, certainly local weatherman. And um, I called him when his current intern was about to leave and no one was lined up. And so I went and did an interview like a couple of days later, he hired me on the spot. And I, I think the HR person didn't um, because he didn't follow procedures. The HR person scolded him a little bit, but I ended up uh, as his weather intern for, it was about six months to nine months and then another six to nine months as his weather assistant. Wow. So yeah, I got a year and a half worth of experience there yeah, that's that, um, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty, um, again, right place, right time, but to be yeah. exposed to yeah. that and to help me, um, along in my career and then again, right place at the right time, it led to my first TV job mm -hmm. or weather job, I guess, because people all over the country at the time, probably still call him and say, Hey, I have, I have this need. I have an opening. Do you know anybody? And I just happened to be there. And he was like, wow, my, my intern Eric's right here. Why, why don't you talk to him? <laughs> so I did an interview, impromptu interview with this news director at a station in Fort Wayne, Indiana on the phone right then, did wow. like a fake forecast. He hired <laughs> me to do fill in weather for um, his radio station. And then the, the guy that I was filling in for also did TV weather in Fort Wayne. And so I ended up becoming his fill in TV guy there. Okay. Um, and then in the meantime, I got a part-time job at ZOK here in Rockford. So yeah. I was a part-time DJ working at ZOK wow. playing records. Um, <laughs> and so driving, I was driving up here every weekend or if someone needed, you know, if I had to fill in for somebody during the week, which was rare, but it happened. Mm -hmm. um, and then once a month, I was driving to Fort Wayne to do television stuff from my, my base camp in South suburbs of Chicago. Wow. And I was, I was <laughs> proudly wearing my, my khakis and red shirt as an employee of Target. I worked there for quite a while too, until oh I got gosh. hired up here full time. And then, yeah, I went to the radio station full time. Um, after a year, I met uh, several people who worked at a TV station here in town mm -hmm. and had a chat with their boss at a party. And he said, hey, come on in and show me your tape. And so he hired me to be the weekend weather person. And so for two and a half years, I was you know, on the radio from Monday through Saturday and did Sunday weather. And then eventually worked full-time at the TV station going from uh, the weekend weather person to a reporter to weekend co-anchor to morning show co-anchor to the main co-anchor wow. at the other place. Yeah. Wow. I, wow. I maybe, maybe I uh, called in to 97Z okay to request the song back. Oh man. <laughs> Please don't tell us. Did you send a hundred thousand watt good night kiss to somebody, Melissa? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. Well, my, my wife and I always joke because we met at a charity event downtown, actually at the, at the wise neighbor at the Verdi club. It was for March oh, of yeah. Dimes. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember meeting her and she was thoroughly unimpressed. She, and, and then I find <laughs> out that 
I wasn't the one, you know, that like she was expecting someone else from the radio station and like all oh. these other things <laughs> have been going wrong for the event that day. Um, but also in her defense, you know, she was out of the age range of top 40 radio. Like she, you know, yeah. she was out of high school. Right. So she didn't listen that much at night. I was the night DJ. So, right, yeah. you know, most of my listeners are probably junior high and high schoolers. Yeah. And so she had no idea who I was. Oh, Who's funny. this Eric Wilson guy? So, and now 21 years later, 22 years, this will be 22 years this year that we're married. Married. Wow. Congrats. Wow. That's awesome. So, so it brought you back to Rockford. It sounds like, you know, and you were doing a couple, you know, between the, um, the news station in Indiana and the 97ZOK here in Rockford. Um, when did you start uh, your membership at the Y then? So really early on. Um, and I, I still proudly have the original. In fact, I got upset once because I thought I lost my membership card. <laughs> but on the back, my and, and so I don't even think it had the code, like the barcode originally. But on the back, and I'm, it's not in the room with me right now, otherwise I would read the number off, but it's a three-digit number. Like it's oh 900 goodness. something on the back. Yeah. That's how old the card is. Oh and so it was before I knew Marla. So probably, I'd say I joined probably in 96. Oh, wow. That, That's that fantastic. Right. Yeah. That's so, great. Um, uh, please, you told me there would be no math, but is that, was that 25 years? It seems like. A long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she was already a member. So, she, you know, we, and we didn't really, it was great because it was good for our early relationship because we had this in common and we could mm -hmm. go to the Y and you wow. know, we spent a lot of time um, as, you know, we would go and we'd do, because my schedule is always weird. I had, uh, it's basically a second shift. So I had mm -hmm. mornings free and Marla's self-employed. So we would do classes, like we do boot camp together at the Y, nice. which is a lot oh, of fun. Yeah, and that's then, great. Uh, our, our daughter was born. And so that was the Y was the very first, we were, we were lucky enough because Marla was self-employed and we had this flip-flop schedule we could, do, we could do. So we never had to put Allison in daycare, our daughter, but um, we did put her in daycare when we went to the Y. So basically mm -hmm. the Y is the one and only daycare that she's ever been a part oh, wow. of. You know, until she awesome. she started preschool I think at three and a half but yeah so like f from the moment that she was old enough to be in the wise daycare she was down there and every once in a while I like to poke my head and I see Mary at the northeast branch so I like to remind her that Allison's yeah. now a freshman in college to make her feel uh, a little <laughs> that's crazy wow that's amazing such such great stories to tell and share with us. And then um, you have a really great one. And the one we really want to talk about is you just had a really big milestone with a workout streak. So a thousand days in a row. So when you think about it in terms of years, that's over three years straight. It's so impressive. Um, and then you, you knew that you had kind of hit this milestone and decided to turn it into a fundraiser. And that's benefiting the WISE um, annual campaign, which obviously we appreciate that from you so much um and just curious so did you set out with the number 1000 in your brain or did you set out thinking well i'm just going to see how long i can go and then got there and went further i never i never had a thousand in my brain ever in fact um even when i hit 100 i don't think i ever had a thousand in my brain really? but okay. it really it never started as i want to do this streak it was mm -hmm. i think i had set a goal i'm kind of obsessive about weird things like that. And so I set a goal that I wanted to try and work out. I think I wanted to do like five days a week. And 
my wife makes fun of me, but like I have calendars going back eight to 10 years oh of goodness. me filling out the workout. Oh, and then wow. I'm such a nerd that I will <laughs> average out like, oh, well, this was this many days a month on this is oh, how many goodness. days. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's how nerdy I am when it comes to numbers. And so I just, when I looked and I was like, okay, well, I'm all, June's almost over. Let's see if I can make it all the way through July. Oh, I did. Mm -hmm. I made it all the way through July. So let's do August. Oh, my birthday's uh, the first, the first week of September. Let's see if I can just go to my birthday. And so like just at every going. point, yeah. And then when I got to close to a hundred, I thought, eh, let's see if I can make it a hundred. And then every little milestone like that, you know, obviously the, the hundreds are easy milestones. So, yeah. you know, every hundred I thought, all right, well, let's see if I can make it to 400. And then, well, and then obviously between 300 and 400 came the year. And right. so when I knew that I was close to year, I thought, well, let's try for a year. <laughs> and then, all right, well then again, when, when the year hit, I was like, all right, well, that's kind of an, a weird, odd number. Cause I'm again, I'm one of those guys that I can't leave when I'm pumping gas, I can't leave an odd number on the pump. Like I have, yeah. <laughs> have to even the number out. So I couldn't leave it at 365 days. So I thought, yeah. all right, I'll just go for 400 and then whatever happens after 400 will be great. And I think it 400 came like right before my birthday. And I was like, well, I'll just keep it going to my birthday, which you know, uh -huh. I, 400 and some change, I think. And it just kept going. And yeah. so, um, and clearly because of my little calendar disclosure, I, I have sort of an obsessive addictive part of my <laughs> <Yeah>. personality. <laughs> and so now I'm afraid to stop. Yeah. And it's, oh, no. <laughs> but it's not like, and, and you know, I, I was cleared. I, I'm not a big fan of social media for many different reasons, but I didn't want this. I, I, I posted about it, but I didn't want the post to be like, Hey, look how great I am. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that, yeah. which is partly, partly answers the question. I think that you asked about um, making this about the why. So twofold, I think was why I decided to post and you know, I didn't, I haven't posted every milestone, but just kind of like the biggies. But um, if it inspires somebody, you know, in my post, I, I was very clear, like, I'm not going out and running a 10K every time I do this. In fact, you know, I've even <laughs> trying to, I'm, I'm dealing with a knee injury right now. So like I can go out and run anywhere from two to three miles comfortably. I've mm -hmm. never run less than two, but you know, that to me, that that's roughly you know, anywhere in a good day, it's 16 minutes. So I'm not out there again. I'm not, I'm not going setting records. I'm not doing sprints at the track all the time. Although I'm getting to the point where I don't think my legs can take that anymore. Too old. <laughs> but um, it was just a, a, a moving every yes, day. Yeah. Exactly. And that was, that was part of the reason to make it more public. Mm -hmm. And then when I had the, the even number of a thousand, you know, I thought it's pretty simple to do a, a Facebook fundraiser these days. Mm -hmm. And it was really a no brainer to me that it would be the why who would benefit from that because easily of those thousand days, I think it would be conservative to say of those thousand, and it would probably be higher if it wasn't for COVID, but it would be conservative to say of those thousand days, probably 500 of them are courtesy of the why or through why mm -hmm. facilities. Wow. Um, you know, as I get older, my favorite workout is the pool because it's so low impact. Mm -hmm. And you know, I love the Y pool. Northeast Branch is a little warm, but um, if I yeah. if I have to swim there, I will. But downtown, <laughs> it's it's such an asset to have. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so because the why big picture played such a part in getting to that level, to that 1000 mark that yeah. I thought it only made sense if I was going to turn this into something other than, you know, a Facebook post about, Hey, look how awesome I am. <laughs> I wanted it to be about someone or something else. Yeah. That's wow. So awesome. That, so I great. Think too, just pointing out, you know, I think uh, it's so it's a benefit. It's a member mm-hmm. benefit to be able to go to different branches, different locations, being able to change it up and do different workouts. And mm-hmm. um, so you mentioned that you um, had done the pool and you had done um, different types of workouts, you know, do you, uh, on a regular basis, I mean, were you working out six, seven days a week? Did you take a rest day? Did you know that your body needed a rest day? I mean, are you just doing something every day? I'm just doing something every day. And there were scattered points in there. I think that, um, you know, I would have goals if there was like a local race or something. I haven't really done any distance in a long time. Marla and I actually did um, in 2011, I, I did the, the Chicago marathon in 2000 and vowed I was never going to do another marathon because I had a really, it was just an awful experience for me. It was nice to say I did it, but yeah, it was, it was not fun. Uh. And then 11 years later, the Rockford marathon happened to fall on my wedding anniversary. And Marla said, Hey, for our anniversary, do you want to run the Rockford marathon? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so that, that. You you're right. That one. <laughs> And then in that same year, our nephew was in the Marine Corps and there was this possibility that he was going to go back to Afghanistan. And so we thought that it would be great if it was possible to run the Marine Corps marathon that same October, if we could get slots. So we got into the Marine Corps marathon. And so that year we ran the Rockford marathon in May and then, um, the Marine Corps marathon in October, same year. Um, so that, that's the kind of getting off the rails a little bit answer to your question of, um, yeah, I can kind of try. And again, because as I get older and I struggle like through just weird, random injuries, waking up and my ankle hurts and I didn't, I don't know why, but I sprained my ankle in my sleep somehow, but <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> right. So um, I can relate. <laughs> I do have days where I take it easy. Um, and that could be a two mile run mm-hmm. through the neighborhood or something, or, yeah. um, that, Actually, uh, in, in addition to the why, my saving grace when COVID hit and the weather was bad was I have a rear wheel trainer for one of my racing bikes. Mm-hmm. And so I, ha- I attached that to my bike in a spare room that we have in the house. And so that's what I did today because I, I didn't have time for anything else. Yeah. So I just hopped on that. And that's when I get my binge watching done or I tried yeah. reading a little bit, but because I'm moving around too much, it's really hard. There's no nothing really to set a you know a book or magazine or homework or something on so I end up getting my binge watching done on that bike there but I try and pay attention to um if I'm not feeling and there are certainly there are days when I don't feel like doing it Mm -hmm. but most of the time doing something makes me feel a little bit better Yeah. yeah that's for sure even a little bit and even if it's just mental even if it's just you know, if I'm, if I'm having a lousy day and that just happened also to be the day that my streak stopped, that would be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I try and yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think that the longest I've ever ridden, like my, my longest workout was for my birthday this year. And a friend of mine actually, who's also an avid Y 
remember, uh, Tim Austin, he and I rode more than 50 miles for my mm. birthday on our wow. bikes. Wow, and he's, I think crazy. he's done that before. Um, and I did it once I got roped into something for my work and we had to ride, we ended up riding 300 miles over five days. Um, I don't, I don't recommend that, but, um, <laughs> uh, that was the longest really I'd ridden in a long time. And that's certainly the longest workout that I've done. But, you know, before I had started having a problem with my knee, I was probably doing, you know, three to five miles as a normal run. Mm -hmm. And then usually an hour on the bike and then 20 to 30 minutes in the pool. Hmm. I have a short attention span. So like long distances, really, it takes a lot to distract me. That's the only way I can get a long ride in on a stationary bike anyway, is to have some yeah. sort of distraction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way on a stationary bike. I like, that's when I, I like my Kindle because I don't like to flip pages, but if I have oh, a yeah. Kindle, I can, I can sit there for a while. So, wow. So, so great. You have, you have such a great, a great story. And this is so great that you've done this streak and, and we hope it continues and we appreciate the support that you're, you're giving to the why now with turning it into a fundraiser. Um, if our listeners are interested in donating to your cause, how would they do that? Uh, the easiest way is probably on, on Facebook. So to, okay. to search me on Facebook okay. um, and it's posted there and it's public. So okay, that's probably great. the simplest way. Okay, um, perfect. And I can, I can reshare it too. Okay. Yeah. That'd be great. Maybe I don't the, know how, um, nobody knows how these Facebook algorithms work, but I think every once in a while, if you give it a little kick in the pants that it somehow it, yeah. it resubmits it. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah. No, that sounds great. That would be wonderful. We really appreciate the support so much. Oh, well, the why has been a, not just a big part of the streak, but a really a big part of uh, my family. And so, so nice. like I said, it made sense to do this. And I'm yeah. glad, I hope it, hope it brings some attention to the campaign as well. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I'm sure it will. That is great. Thanks so much, Eric, for sharing today. And I hope others find it inspiring as well. And um, just to start off, like you said, with small little goals and figuring out, you know, what you can achieve. Um, that's, that's how it all begins. So yep, for um, sure. amazing story. So, well, yeah. thanks to our listeners for listening, checking in with us today. Uh, please remember to subscribe to our channel. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear featured on our podcast, please email us at info at rockriverymca.org. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you.